White Sox Daily Podcast. My name is Ben. Uh, I am back this week with my co-host, Xavier Sanchez, who is on every week, by the way. Um, yes, last week I was out uh, because my power went out, and not because I didn't pay my bill. Uh, I just want to make that clear for all of our customers. You do not need to donate uh, money to a GoFundMe for me or anything. Um yeah, for, I live in a small town, and for whatever reason, if somebody sneezes too hard, the power goes out in my town. It is just crazy. Um, how are you feeling, Xavier? You know, I can't complain. The White Sox are playing really well. They're in first place, still have the best run differential. Their pitching looks good. They're hitting. Uh, there's, a, there's a few games there where I was a little worried, but that was during like a long stretch of games. But they look to be one of the best in the league despite all the odds they're facing. Yeah, I mean, it, it is absolutely incredible how well they are playing. Uh, you know, don't don't look at the scorebook scoreboard. Uh, as yeah. we've mentioned before, we record this uh, podcast uh, on Thursday nights, and uh, we always like to scoreboard watch, and things aren't going so well for the White Sox. Hopefully that doesn't age well, and tomorrow morning you uh, are listening to this, and you can make fun of me because the Sox end up winning big. But, um, yeah, you talk about adversity. Okay, I, I mentioned this in our, our, our pre-show talk. Um, I, I, you know, one of my pet peeves is when— when uh, fans are wanting to make excuses for their teams and, uh, you know, hey, if this guy was in, we would be in first. If this guy wasn't hurt, you know, we'd be in first place. And, and normally I scoff at that, but, uh, you know, because every team faces injuries. But I have never seen uh, in, in my lifetime of watching baseball uh, an injury stretch like the White Sox are in right now. Um, it, just looking at the numbers, eight players are currently on the IL for the White Sox. Five of them are on the 60-day variety. And, and, and all of these players, particularly the five on the 60-day, these aren't minor leaguers that have been put on the IL to uh, kind of roster manipulation. A lot of teams will do that sometimes if they need to add a free agent. Oh, this guy has an ankle injury. He's going to be on the 60-day IL for a while. That's not what's going on here. Uh, the White Sox, legitimate. We're talking stars, not role players. Nick Madrigal, as we were talking about, um, you mentioned this on the podcast last week. He went down, uh, and then after the taping, uh, I don't remember what day it was announced uh, that he has had to have the surgery. He's out for the year. Um, how are the White Sox still winning baseball games first? <laughs> you know, it's a lot of good starting pitching, timely hitting, uh, in what. We're not seeing, uh, maybe down the line we'll see it, but the power, the power's not there yet. I think mm-hmm. as season warms up, uh, the power's going to come, but they just found, found a way to score runs at, in timely moments. They're walking a ton, which that's one of my favorite things to see the Sox do. Uh, right. it, their on-base percentages have gone way up now that they're learning how to walk more, which mm-hmm. gets more guys on base, which then can contribute to more runs. Uh, and they're just playing really well. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, you know, I, I wasn't following the White Sox as closely the last couple of years as I am this year. And, and if memory serves in the past, um, walks weren't a big huge part of their game i mean these guys you have guys like anderson who hit for a high average so the on on base percentage is good but it typically didn't come via those three true outcome hitters that are so popular right now um mm-hmm. you know Grandall obviously is a is a big addition for that um but yeah i mean they continue to win games um y- y- i begin to feel though are you are you worried that these injuries are going to catch up with them in the win-loss column, particularly. Yeah, I have been worried 
just because you mentioned we have a lot of our, it's not that the players that are hurt are just role guys who are up and down through the year. It's star players. And to ask some of these utility players and non-stars to uh, keep up their production for longer, it's not always an easy case. So you're banking on the guy's success who they, they started out really hot, but for a whole summer, that's a tough ask for many of these players. Uh, luckily, uh, this next man up thing, it's, it's been working. It's working well. But for how long? It's, they, 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 I think they're going to have to make a move at some point. Uh, but for right now, luck and non-luck has been on their side. Like The non-luck is guys for getting sure. hurt, but they've lucked out where every person that has been com- called up has filled their role pretty nice. We saw this weekend Brian Goodwin in his first yeah. game, five RBIs. Yeah. You know, you know, just looking at this lineup right now, I'm looking at tonight's lineup and in spring before the before the Eloy injury, uh, obviously optimism was through the roof in in White Sox fandom. Uh, would you have said this lineup that includes Angle, Mercedes, who ended up you know being a surprise, but I'm talking mid spring training, uh, Angle, Mercedes, uh, Goodwin and Mendick, and Toss and Vaughn are are um, that's that's a first place roster. Is that a first place lineup to you in the middle of spring? No, not one bit. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, you're right. The power numbers are down, and my first thought is, you know, well, how many of how many home runs have they lost in in just Robert and Jimenez? You know. Uh, it's crazy. Um, you know, I, I do think that this next man up thing is working to, to a point, obviously my fear is that it's working too well. And what I mean by that is, um, this team probably at this point really needs the front office to be given the green light to go and add something somewhere. I mean, that, that, that lineup that I just mentioned, I don't know that that takes you to the World Series or that's going to get you, keep you in first place for two months. Um, I, I, you know, I really believe at some point they're going to need reinforcements, and, and that can come from the minors and that can come from other teams. Yeah, I, I definitely agree because this, this the White Sox especially they they get too comfortable. They they're whether it's them losing, they get in that comfort and they're like, okay, we'll do this for another season. Or right now. Uh, they see everything working well. Uh, the players are doing well. They're winning. But sometimes for an organization like the White Sox and their owners, uh, they need a little discomfort to push them over the edge yeah, to get sure. them to be like, we probably should make a move. Because a person who has, like, Jerry Reinsdorf has been known to not want to, like, go out and get players. So, if he sees a team that's winning, what's going to get him to go out and get a player if they're not like, if yeah, they don't need his it. eyes, he doesn't see an issue. Like just looking at the paper each day is probably like, Oh, we're doing pretty well. And there's no need to bring anyone in. But if you're following the socks, you know, you can't count on this roster long-term. There needs to be some type of addition, just a, some addition, whether it's another pitcher, another infielder, uh, Whatever it might be, yeah, absolutely, um, yeah, it, and and like I said, you know, 
if money is the problem, which I don't think it should be for any major league manager because baseball is a multi-billion dollar industry, pandemic aside, um, you know, the White Sox got the the, the big boost uh, of 100% capacity, uh, correct? That I'm assuming they got it as well. And so, again, that means more ticket sales, things that we really didn't know was going to be an option at this point. So I think that the money's going to be there. Who do... Let's talk second base for a second. So we we know that um, th- there's good news on the horizon. The bad news from Madrigal, he's out for the year, came alongside the good news. It seems that Robert and Jimenez are ahead of schedule. We're still probably, you know, what, a couple months away at the earliest. Yeah, they um, said uh, for Eloy, Eloy is the one they mentioned, like, specifically. He's uh, medically declared to begin activities in Arizona, but it's like a minimum of four weeks of a timetable. But they also said that they have no set date for his return to the sure. White Sox. Uh, but it does seem like it's – I remember when the injury first happened, it was like a maybe bordering on wishful thinking that, yeah, for sure he's going to be back in time for the playoffs uh, to play, play a meaningful role. Now it sure does seem like that's a, a reasonable expectation. Um but, you know, with Mendick being their primary uh, fill-in at second base, uh, you know, I feel like going outside the organization to pick up a second baseman is probably more cost-efficient and cost-meeting uh, in terms of prospects you'd have to give up than, say, a corner outfield power hitter. I mean, those are, those are you know, more costly acquisitions. And so just, just looking around the league, you know, there, there are a lot of second basemen playing for some really bad teams that are intriguing options for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, first names that come to mind, you know, a perennial trade candidate in Whit Merrifield. I don't know what his – he took a real dip last year. I don't know what his numbers are looking like right now as an aging player. But you got um, Adam Frazier, Jonathan Shoup, Josh Harrison – um, as Dribble Cabrera. I mean, there's there's a lot of names out there. Do you think it benefits? Do you you know if you're if you're the White Sox GM for the day, are you willing to give up a mid to top level prospect for a one year fill in at second base if you feel like that player puts you over the top? Yeah, I think I think it's a necessary move. Uh, it's hard to tell which like I don't know which guy I would be most willing or which teams. Sure. Like who they're looking for, but the White Sox need to make a move. I think for an infielder, just because the White Sox uh, with Madrigal, Moncada, and Anderson, with uh, Mendick, Garcia as like the backups, that, sure. that looked that was good depth. They they looked fine, but now that Moncada um, missed a couple games this weekend, and then Madrigal's out for the year having to play Mendek and Garcia a lot more now that depth's gone. So they yep. need to find someone to fill that void. And there's plenty of candidates out there. As you said, I know one of the ones that are being tied is a uh, former White Sox prospect, Eduardo Escobar, who yeah. also can fill a utility man role pretty well. Yeah. You know, uh, just that, that whole depth thing you were talking about, um, you got like Moncada who who had to miss time for the sinus infection over the last weekend. You need you need those backup infielders to be available as backups. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, um 
I think the name I am most intrigued by for the White Sox is Adam Frazier. The Pittsburgh Pirates are dreadful. They're they are an abysmal franchise right now in need of a another rebuild. And they're in the process of it. Um, Adam Frazier, I believe, is an expiring contract. Uh, if if not, he is close to it. Uh, he's only making four point three million this year, so it's not an expensive acquisition. Um, 29-year-old right now, he's slashing 324, 386, 458 uh, his, with the current war of 1.8. Um, I don't know where he rates defensively other than the eye test, but he certainly uh, can hold the position. You know, he's, he's an all-star capable second baseman that doesn't hit for power, but he's replacing a guy who didn't hit for power as well in Madrigal. So um, he's, he's somebody immediately when I saw that Madrigal was out for sure for the year, I'm like, let's... Let's get it on. Let's go. Let's go uh, check out on Adam Frazier. And this year, I think he leads uh, or was near the top in hits and doubles. And yeah, that would be huge for the Sox. Yep. Uh, yeah. His 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 uh, weighted runs created plus is one thirty six, which is ridiculous. You know, obviously some things leaving out, but he's he is a he's a veteran, a young veteran who um, has proven that he can uh, hit consistently. So, and I don't think that he would cost that much. I remember um, the names being tossed around when Eloy went down and, and a bunch of fans were calling for um, Joey Gallo and one of those, and those guys are going to cost a prospect haul, you know, under team control, still uh, potential superstars. Um, guy like Adam Frazier is a very doable trade. Uh, and you know what, with, with, Injuries around the league. I don't think that the White Sox can say, "Well, let's just wait and see how things develop. We'll get, the, we'll pick up a guy at the trade deadline." I think, uh, I think teams like the the Pirates are probably already fielding a lot of phone calls. Yeah, they can't sit around and wait. And t- tonight, I, I'm a little worried. Uh, I I think I'll, I'll bring it up here is uh, Jake Berger. They said he's playing second base, which makes me a little worried that they're trying to get him some time to feel comfortable uh, in multiple positions besides third base. So when he calls up, he could be that backup, which if that's going to prevent them from going after a guy, I would be, I would be so mad as a White Sox fan. Now, Berger, who I don't have a ton of information about, which which highlights something that I'll let you introduce in a second. Um, but he he's considered by uh, most to be a, a top prospect, right, or, or or near the top of their their prospect yeah, rankings. He uh, he was one of the he was a first round pick back in 2017. A guy who dealt with some injuries, but has looked really good uh, at the plate this season for the Charlotte Knights. And a guy I think most White Sox fans would love to just get him some uh, major league time just because yeah. of all the obstacles he faced. And I would love for him to have his time in the, on the White Sox roster. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to prevent the Sox yeah. from going out and making that move. Yeah. He was a little lower on the prospect list than I had remembered. He's their 12th, but obviously this is a stacked farm system. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's still a very highly ranked prospect. Um, yeah. It, and so I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Do you, do you want to rush a guy like Jake Berger to the majors to play a position he's not comfortable with uh, and risk messing with his, his development because he is kind of on a comeback stretch. Would you rather see the Sox do that over picking up a tried and true already performing veteran like Adam Frazier? Uh, not me. Uh, I would rather, you know, but you know, they could call up Jake tomorrow. And because the way things have been going with the next man up, dude could hit 400 the rest of the year for all I know, <laughs> which I would love for him to prove me wrong. Yeah. 
Um, but again, like the, like you're saying, he he's not a true second baseman. They're forcing the issue. Um, you're not going to move, even though Moncada has played second base in the past. Obviously, he's found his niche at third base. You're not yeah, going to move looks, him. To- he, he got so comfortable at third, which yeah. I don't. I wouldn't want to mess with that. So you know, I guess on, on the flip side, I guess if I'm going to make the the devil's argument here. Um, Jake Berger probably does need to change positions if he has a future with this organization. Moncada's not going anywhere. So, you know, maybe that is a good thing. But to, to be rushed to do it and then have to face Major League Pitching for the first time, that's always a tough situation. And, you know, Vaughn's been doing it, but switching from third to second is a lot different than switching mm-hmm. from first to left field. Yeah, you see so many uh, like players play – uh, the corner positions and then get tossed in one of the corner outfielders as well. Uh, yeah. You see for the White Sox, obviously you mentioned Vaughn, Eloy probably could do it. Uh, you know, as you're a Cubs fan, Bryant does it. You yeah. don't see him playing second or short. No, uh, it's very rare that you see players do um, the corner positions and also middle infield, uh, middle infield. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for the casual fan might not just realize how, how different how how many different types of plays your middle infielders are involved in that are very unique to those two positions be it cutoffs be it double different double play combinations different kinds of things like that uh, just base stealing all kinds of things it is a it is a very difficult position you can be great at fielding ground balls that doesn't mean that you have the range to play a middle infield position and know how to play it at the major league level, I guess is what I'm saying. There's no knock at Berger and who knows, maybe it's going to be natural for him. But uh, like you said, a guy like a Bryant playing the two corner infield positions then playing all three outfield positions, that is not that strange, but I don't see the Cubs moving him to shortstop anytime soon either, you know? So yeah. So back to the prospect thing. So Berger, we've talked about him a bit. I am not as up on their, their their prospect rankings uh, we talk a lot about the major league team but you had a great idea so i'm just gonna let you pitch it you know what what, we're, what fans could look forward to yeah uh starting i think next next week's episode um at white Sox daily especially on our twitter account we've been doing a lot of uh highlighting of not just the major league team but everyone down in the minors and posting their highlights and sharing how they're doing we we spoke to Luke Schilling and hopefully we'll speak to many more coming up this summer, but I'm going to start at least on our Friday episode, uh, a power minute of guys on the farm and who's doing well, what teams are doing well and how they're shaking up. And maybe if it looks like a guy might be called up, we'll, we'll mention that and keep that going uh, as a, a weekly thing for an episode besides our two to three main topics. Yeah, when you got a team like the White Sox that have undergone what I, I believe to be an incredibly successful retooling, rebuilding um, process, that means you have a lot of excitement at what's going on on the major league level, but that also means there's a lot of excitement about what's going on or should be a lot of excitement about what's happening in the minor leagues. Um, you know, there could be some guys who are going to play key roles uh, in, in this window that the White Sox have. So I'm excited to to get that in front of the fans. Um, you know, last thing I want to talk about, we've uh, had, a, had a great conversation so far, but before we leave, we have to talk about 
the sticky stuff. And I, and I thought about dropping all kinds of puns and I just decided I've, I'm out of dad jokes for the day. Um, a sticky situation. Oh no, I did it. Um, <laughs> so major league baseball, if, in case you haven't, if you've been living under a rock, major league baseball has decided over the last couple months that, Oh wait, we might have a sticky stuff substance problem. Uh, it is the worst secret in baseball that major league pitchers, um, have been using various substances to doctor the baseball since the dawn of baseball. I mean, it's, it's just a part of the game. Um, and, and there is some evidence to believe, uh, probably a lot of evidence to believe that they've crossed the line of some pitchers, maybe a lot of pitchers, maybe every pitcher is starting to cross the line from using a substance that just helps them grip the ball so that they have more control versus using a substance that is giving them an increased spin rate, which is then bordering from that little known secret to now we're talking about a cheating scandal. Now we're talking about something that is affecting the game potentially in the same way that steroids did, though I don't believe nearly on that level. And, um, you know, sign stealing and things like that. So Major League Baseball announced uh, or sent out a memo that they are going to inf- – it's not a change in rules. These rules have been on the books also since basically the beginning of time, but now they're enforcing them. Uh, and that if players are found with a foreign substance, uh, they will automatically get a 10-game ban, um, which is paid in this case, at least for this year. Um, and foreign substances can even include – uh, 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 sunscreen. Uh, the players are allowed to use sunscreen in a day game, but in a closed roof stadium, they're saying at night, uh, a pitcher is not allowed to use sunscreen. Now, I believe there's going to probably be some leeway about games that start in daylight. Uh, you know, they'll be allowed to use sunscreen. So th- the big, the big controversy here, pitchers are shockingly not a big fan of this across the board and and so here's really the big issue the most common from what i've been able to read the most commonly used substance has been a combination of sunscreen and rosin they have a rosin bag on the mound they're allowed to use rosin bags that's not being changed um but intentionally mixing sunscreen with rosin to give player pitchers better grip on the baseball. And these pitchers, most pitchers will claim, and I tend to believe them, that most of them are just out there trying not to lose control of their pitches, not hit a batter, not lose a ball inside. And, and pitchers do make a strong argument that um, Major League Baseball has a problem with not giving them consistent baseballs. Um Major League Baseball rubs mud, mud substance on the baseballs, uh, in theory, to give it more grip, I believe. And if they're not consistent with it, pitchers feel. And so one minute they have a pitch uh, baseball that they absolutely love. The next minute it feels like shiny rubber and it's slid, sliding out of their hands. So that's one side. The other side is using substances like spider tack, which are very much used to cheat the game. To increase spin rate, um, and perhaps this is where all these strikeouts are coming from. So I've been I throw thrown out a lot of info. Um, how do you feel about this midseason? Not change in rules, and that's been misreported, or it's what people have been saying on Twitter. It's not a change. The rules have always been in place. Baseball is just now saying we're not going to turn a blind eye to it anymore. Yeah. Uh, I was not fully aware of everything involved. So that you helped clear a couple things up. I wasn't too sure if it was a change in rule or not. 
Um, as far as I know, and I could be misunderstanding that. So please, yeah, comment on yeah. the on the podcast if I've got that wrong. But I, as far as I understand, they're enforcing like three point oh two or something like that. The the rule number I just saw it and I've lost it. I think I know you mentioned steroids and how it could be a scandal and how like the similarities and differences. One of the things that that I'm concerned about is like why now? Why can't you just wait? Like why why is everyone's comfortable with how the season's going and what they're doing and to switch it out mid season. And you already saw glass. Now I know he, he had said something and then he got injured. Yeah, uh, he blames that he, yeah, he blew out his elbow. He's trying to avoid Tommy John, but he blames the injury on because he had to change how he pitched, which there may be truth to that. I don't know. Yeah. If, if there's a rules are rules, but for major league baseball, they're like, turn a blind eye for so long and now be like oh we're watching you you're gonna have to change everything you do we're gonna keep keep doing the same uh i think that's kind of shady for them to do and it hurts the players uh and i I, i'm just not a fan one of the things i do agree with uh or not agree but like just like the, the whole cheating thing surrounding it um now i'm blanking what i was gonna my thoughts but I just don't think the players should have to switch up just yet. Like if you, if yeah. you're rocking with something, uh, just see it through. Mention this at the end of the season, not right now after the spring training's gone through, we're yeah. already two months in. Now I will say this, I will say this, having done a little bit of research on this in preparation for this podcast, um, there was a memo sent out pre pandemic in 2020 to all teams saying enough's enough. We're going to start cracking down on this. They didn't give specifics. They just said league wide. Let's let's cut this out. Uh, a, a play uh, a clubhouse manager for I believe the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim um, was fired. I, I don't know how much the league had a role in that because he was caught providing substances like spider tack to players opposing opponent opposing players. Which, by the way, if you're a if you're a clubhouse manager for a team, why are you giving stuff to help an opposing pitcher? Uh, well, because he gets tips. That's why. And that's how they make their money and they're poorly paid and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he was scapegoated a little bit by the league. And this was in spring training so or, or early on in the season. So this isn't completely out of the blue um, for Major League Baseball. However, um, I, I, I couch all that in this. Uh, Rob Manfred seems to do what he does when he sees the bottom line being threatened. Um, Offense has been down the last two seasons. It's been down for a number of years now in terms of scoring, batting, uh, league-wide batting average, things like that. Um, We were were seeing ridiculous lows in April and May, an absurd number of no-hitters early in the season, things like that. And so I think a lot of pitchers feel like they're being punished because the fans aren't getting the home runs they want to see. They're not getting that. Um, It's a knee-jerk reaction more to the lack of offense than it is that they actually care about the substance abuse. That's my feeling anyway among a lot of these pitchers. And part of the reason I wanted to bring this up is – you know, obviously, this is something that affects every team, um, but it affects the White Sox, uh, obviously, as much as anyone else. And you know, Carlos 
Rodon is uh, obviously enjoying a resurgent year. He threw a no-hitter already this year and flirted with one last week. Uh, beyond flirted, he got darn near another one last week. Um, and he was pretty vocal about how he feels about this. So let me read this quote real quick, and I want to get your take on it. He says, uh, R- R- Rodon, and this is in a uh, NBC Sports article that I'm getting this from. Uh, so they got this first. Uh, it says... It, It's hard to see this when you're giving out 10-game suspensions for cheating, but you give the Astros no suspensions at all. So if Rob Manfred can look at himself in the mirror and say, hey, I am doing the right thing, that's fine. You can't suspend the team you actually knew was cheating during a playoff game. That's on you. So pretty strong words, directly calling out the commissioner of baseball. Uh, What is your reaction to that quote? I still think the players shouldn't be like rightfully mad about the situation. I do. You mentioned the, like what about ism where I, the, the player can be mad, but I also don't think he should be because he knows the rules say mm-hmm. like, he, like the players didn't necessarily like they, they're still in the wrong. If they d- use the substance, just like those guys in the Astros, they cheated. So yeah. they're wrong. So just because one's the, uh, Astros were cheaters does not mean that you you might not be a cheater as well. You can both yeah. be cheaters. So uh, on the one hand, I, I agree with him. The Astros absolutely got away scot-free for what they did. I am with Rodon in the fact that what they did was wrong there. However, I'm with you on the fact that one does not equal the other. Um, Major League Baseball can have screwed up on one hand while still having the right to enforce a rule on the other hand. Um I think I'm with you. I think I would have liked to have seen this memo come out before the season started. Uh, I think once you're underway, um, them them deciding, hey, we're going to force this midseason is really hard for pitchers because I don't care what anybody says. Every major league pitcher has been using something since they've been in the majors. Honestly, most of them have been using something since they were in amateur ball. Uh, And so to force this on the midseason is... Yeah, that's rough. Uh, I'm not a real big fan of it. Uh, It's happening. Whether we like it or not, it goes into effect. The enforcement goes into effect May 21st. Um, And from there on out, um, you know, there's been some anecdotal evidence to support uh, the fact that since teams have known this was coming for the last two weeks, um, in theory, pitchers have stopped using them like class now admitted to doing. Um, and we have seen spin rates drop dramatically um, over the last two weeks, and we've seen an uptick in offense as a result that all could be circumstantial, and this could all plan out to be a big nothing burger. Um, but it will be very interesting to see if spin rates continue to drop, if the offense explodes, then maybe the commissioner's vindicated a little bit. So uh, that's kind of all I had for today. Do you have any um, closing thoughts for today? I do not. Hopefully uh, right now we're sitting in a, a White Sox hold. They're losing right now. So hopefully when everyone tunes in at this time tomorrow, they'll hopefully either have won that one or winning game two. Yeah, as, as it stands currently, it is six to nothing. But hey, the White Sox have proved anything they've proven never count them out um anything could happen before this one's over um yeah well thanks as always uh for for listening xavier why don't you take us out 
Yes. Um, th- thanks again for listening. Let's hope for a good Astro series. We we saw a great couple games against the Rays and beat who everyone says they're the best team. The White Sox are the best team. You're going to see it again this weekend. Go White Sox. And thank you for listening to the White Sox Daily Podcast. Mm-hmm.